Hey there, friend. Listen, I want to invite you to join me for an upcoming presentation I'm offering called How to Shift from Willpower to Want Power. If you're tired of feeling like you have the best of intentions with food and weight, only to have it all fall by the wayside by the time your head hits the pillow at night, then this is for you. If you're interested in making permanent weight loss easier and less of a struggle, then this is for you. If you're curious what want power is, which you probably should be, and can't wait to learn how to incorporate it into your journey toward peace and freedom around food, then this is for you. I'll be presenting live twice on Wednesday, May 1st, 2024, at both noon and 7.30 p.m. Central Time Zone. I'll answer your questions live and we'll have a really good time together. But if you can't make either of those days, I'm not going to make you get a replay emailed into your inbox only for it to get lost and never be watched no matter how deeply you want to make time to go through it. Because I mean, honestly, who are we kidding? (laughs) We've all done this, including me. No, instead, we are offering multiple watch parties for several days after the live presentation. So come watch the replay with other doctors and interact in the chat with them and my team. So either way, whether you come live or to a watch party, it will be worth your time for sure. All you have to do is register at katrinaubellmd.com forward slash want power. That's katrinaubellmd.com forward slash W-A-N-T-P-O-W-E-R. See you there. You are listening to the Weight Loss for Busy Physicians podcast with Katrina Ubell, MD, episode number 109. Welcome to Weight Loss for Busy Physicians, the podcast where busy doctors like you get the practical solutions and support you need to permanently lose the weight so you can feel better and have the life you want. If you're looking to overcome your stress eating and exhaustion and move into freedom around food, you're in the right place. Hello, my friend. How are you? So glad to be talking to you today. And one of the reasons I'm so glad to be talking to you today is because it's actually quiet in my house. As you are going to be hearing, I have been going through it with these puppies. (laughs) And I know it's just like, okay, whatever puppies, but for real, my life has been kind of turned upside down. And I'm going to talk to you more about that today as we talk about frustration. I'm not sure there's much that can make you as frustrated as puppies. Actually, that's not true. There's lots of things. But I want to talk to you more about that and the work that I've been doing on myself. Because I think frustration is really a emotion that so many of us feel on a regular, regular basis. So I'm going to talk about that. Because it's really so common for many of us. I know I can think of really, (laughs) probably I could rattle off a 100 different things scenarios in my life that make me feel frustrated on a regular basis. And it used to be a lot worse. But it came to my attention that many of you think that because I am a life coach, that I don't experience this stuff, that I don't still have my own struggles that I go through, that I'm still not doing work on myself. And that is super far from the truth, because it would be very cool if you became a life coach, and then your brain turned into this like robot kind of brain that just only thought positive, good feeling thoughts that created all the results you wanted in your life. 
actually, that wouldn't be so great. You know why? Because as you know, it's the contrast of emotions that make the good emotions feel so good. So then I would just be like, this is super boring. I'm like elated all the time. Now what? (laughs) But anyway, you know what I mean? I know these things, but it's still hard. You know, I think about it as is it's similar to being a pediatrician, which I am, as you know, and (laughs) knowing how to help other people with their struggles. Like for instance, I am pretty awesome at getting babies to sleep. That was something that I felt very confident with pretty much like bring me your baby who doesn't sleep and we will get this baby sleeping. Like there's no baby who has a sleep problem that I'm afraid of. Like we are going to solve this problem if you're willing to do the work. So all the ability to help somebody was there. But when it came to my own kids... I didn't always follow my own advice. Now, I know many of you are going to be like, "Mm -hmm." (laughs) you know exactly what I mean, whether it's related to your kids or to something else. Maybe you're telling your patients all the time they need to exercise more and you don't exercise or something like that. And what's funny is with my first child, of course, I was super hardcore with all the sleep stuff. And then as I had more kids, I think I just got older and softer and was just like, yeah, it's going to get better. Ah. (laughs) My daughter didn't fully sleep through the night until after she was one. She's my youngest. And there was no way I would have tolerated that with my first. But my point is that just because I help you guys so much and help all my clients and everybody gets amazing results doesn't mean that I don't have to put forth the same effort and do that same work on myself. So I just want to share this information with you so that you know, but (laughs) also to help you to work through your frustration that you might be experiencing. So I will just tell you what happened that made me think, maybe I should do a podcast on this. (laughs) Okay, so a few weeks ago, for about three hours, the dogs were going to be rehomed, like 100% not going to be living with us anymore. I had absolutely had it and I was done. And when I say done, I mean, capital and in bold and italicized D-O-N-E, done. (laughs) So so let me tell you what happened. (laughs) I have had a really hard time carving out enough time to get my work done lately. Because I'm used to my kids being in school and then being able to work. And when I work, I'm efficient and I get my stuff done and I plan my time and I just get it done. And I can get a lot done in really just the few hours that my kids are at school. So then enter in some puppies and we've had ups and downs where sometimes they do better and sometimes they do worse. But for the last few weeks, it's been kind of the new thing, similar to when you have children, right? Where it's like, you know, as soon as you got one thing figured out, then they change it up on you. But I was getting to a point with them where they couldn't really coexist together for an extended period of time because the little girl puppy, Sunny, would just constantly go after the little boy, Augie. So Sunny would just not leave him alone and he would be tired and want to rest. And they are like children, like they need to take naps or they're really crazy and annoying. And she just wouldn't leave him alone. So they would really have to go in their crates. And So if we had them separated, like upstairs in their crates, but in different bedrooms, then Augie really missed Sunny, even though she drove him nuts all the time. And so then he would just bark like crazy. So then we thought, okay, we'll put them in the same 
room. I mean, sometimes even their crates were like side by side, like they're right there next to each other, cover them up with a blanket, white noise machine. Like I'm not joking. This is like sleep training a child. And like that worked for a little bit, but then he would still just complain and crying, 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 bark and bark and bark. And she was totally silent. But then he would bark a ton. I spent a gazillion dollars on this thing called the pet tutor, which is actually very cool. And so you might want to check it out. (laughs) But the trainer recommended it for us. And it's very cool. But I had to get two, of course, and they cost a ton of money and all the accessories and everything. But basically what it is, is it's a way to positively reinforce the dogs with treats when you're not there in proximity. So it's like this like treat dispenser that you can use your phone or like this little clicker remote control thing to dispense it. So like if they're barking a ton and then they're quiet, you can reward them for being quiet without actually being there with them, which is brilliant, right? It's exactly what I needed. So we get those things set up and we're like, okay, this is totally going to work. And it did for Augie for a little while, but then Sunny started barking and it didn't seem as effective for her. Like she would be quiet for a little while, but you know, then you get busy working, doing stuff, other things like training my dogs is not my hundred percent full-time job. And I would not be triggering the feeder anymore. And then she would start barking again. And I've had multiple people who've heard her bark or have heard her on the phone barking like literally this is what they've said. They've said, oh, that's shock collar worthy. Like I'm telling you, it is just like high pitched and you can only take so much of it. So I've been doing my absolute best managing my mind and just taking advantage of the times when I can work. But I've even tried putting in earplugs and noise canceling headphones over the my ears with the earplugs in And these dogs are upstairs. I'm on a different floor than them and I can still hear the barking. So it's just very distracting. I'm always kind of thinking, how can I get them to be quiet? And I think, okay, they need to just get some energy out and let them run around outside in the yard. And we have a fenced in yard, except we have this one railing down our stairs from the back porch and Augie, who I call the eel, because he's still like really narrow. He hasn't fully filled out yet as a male. He can slip through the slats. Like it's unbelievable. You'd be like, there's no way. And he totally can like with ease. He doesn't even have to really work hard. So we haven't done anything because I kept thinking, no, he's just going to grow. He'll be too big very soon. And there was a time where he had gotten out a couple times, but it was always because one of us was on the other side and he wanted to get to us. But then they were running around playing. I'm thinking, okay, let's just have them get as much energy out as I can. Then I'm standing by the door because it's cold outside. I live in Wisconsin. And standing by the storm door, you know, just watching them, trying to do some work on my phone, answer emails and messages and stuff, doing whatever I can. And then one day he literally came up. I thought, oh, they want to come in. And he just right in front of me snuck right out and started running away. I had no leash on him. I had no treats in my pocket because of course I just ran right after him. And so nothing to lure him back. And I didn't want to run inside to get the treats because I was home alone. So who was going to watch him? He doesn't know not to go on the street. He's only six months old. So I ran around all, I mean, just envision this, me running behind this dog, but like trying to like, I'm so mad at him, but at the same time trying to be like, oh, you come here, sweetie, you know, trying to get him to want to come to me all behind in the neighbor's yards and down their driveway. And then I'm worried about the streets. And then he came back and totally faked me out. I thought he was going to come back in. Then he started running down our driveway. I mean, just a lot of work, (laughs) a lot of mind management which by the way, we will be fixing that issue 
stat. It will be happening. I said to my husband last night, listen, we keep saying we need to do something. The time has come because this really stresses me out. Like I need to know that he is not going to run away at any moment. So we have a plan. But anyway, so this is just a characterization of what my day has been like, typically, like I'll have days where things are better. And then I have days where I had this whole plan to do a bunch of things. And it just can't get done. Sunny got spayed. And then one day, half of her incision just opened up and I had to take her to the vet for an hour and a half. It's just like, just everything that can happen was all on me. I said to my husband, you don't know how nice it is to go to work and actually work. You actually like, don't worry that you're going to have to go do something else that isn't work. (laughs) You're so lucky. (laughs) So anyway, that this has been the challenge. Okay, just setting the stage for you. And then I had this day where they were just barking a lot. It was just a day I had not gotten a lot done. And it was just kind of a hard day. And that was fine. Picked up the kids. We were doing our thing. Everything was fine. And they have also been really challenging to potty train. I don't know why. Our behaviorist that we work with is also flummoxed by how difficult they've been to potty train. Although we have been making very steady, gradual progress. She thinks it's related to how the breeder had kind of kept them for the first 10 weeks or so, that they just never really got the sense of what they're supposed to do. So we're working on it. But anyway, so I was getting kind of tired of the accidents. You know, they're supposed to get bigger. And our other Westie that we had had was totally potty trained by this point. So I was doing the dishes. Matt was upstairs. My husband was putting the kids to bed and I had the dogs downstairs and we have been working on trying to have them sort of coexist with us, just chill out and kind of hang out, not having the whole run of the house, but just kind of a more confined space. But because the way my house is laid out, I can't see everything. I have a pretty big island, so I can't see around it all the time to see what they're doing. So I'm doing the dishes And, you know, it's just like with toddlers where you're like, they're awfully quiet. What's going on? So I walk over and they're both sitting there and someone had totally pooped. And I could totally tell who had pooped because of the pattern of the poop. This is what's so crazy. I'm sorry if you find this gross, but it's so funny. Sunny is like a poop walker. Like she walks and poops and walks and poops. (laughs) And the poops were all in this perfect circle. Like all these little poops and Augie's just sitting to the side. And I swear to you, the look on his face was like, uh, look what she did. You're going to be in trouble. (laughs) And I was just like, are you kidding me? And so I started totally getting frustrated. So I, there is a point to the story getting really frustrated. Like really? Like they had just been out. She had already pooped after dinner. She typically doesn't poop again. Like what the heck? So I was already annoyed and frustrated and moved them off to the side, cleaned up all the poop. Meanwhile, I'm trying to get stuff done in the kitchen so I can do some other stuff, right? And thinking this shouldn't be happening because puppies should be trained by now. And so then I put them up in the crate and Augie is just going nuts barking and the kids are trying to go to sleep. So then I'm like, well, you know, he actually does pretty well on his own. I'll bring him down. So Matt was still upstairs. I brought him down. He's hanging out with me. And I kid you not. This dog is such a reliable pooper. Like he eats and then poops immediately. So I'm like, okay, he's already eaten. Our rules in the house are if you haven't already pooped after eating dinner, you have to go into your crate until you poop. Like you have to poop after you eat before you're allowed out. 
So I'm like, he really should be fine. So he's hanging out and he can be a little quieter guy, kind of lay down. And it's really getting quiet. And I think, hmm, I should really check on him. He had also pooped in the house. And I kid you not, I was just livid. I was so frustrated. So I, like a crazy person, like call upstairs, but more than call upstairs, I yell upstairs, Matt, did Augie poop after dinner? And he's like, yeah, he did. And my brain was unleashed is the only word I can think of to describe the level of frustration that I was experiencing. I was done, absolutely done, that both of them would poop in the house some more without any thought of maybe somehow letting me know that they might possibly have to go. (laughs) I was just done. I was so mad. And then my brain started just creating these stories. Like it was just so convinced. It's so crazy how our brains will create these stories and be so convinced that it's the truth. So in my brain, I mean, I was on fire. I was so mad. They were absolutely gone. I already had a plan for all the people we were going to ask if they wanted the dogs. And if they didn't, who we were going to contact to find another home for them. I was done. So Matt comes down and I'm like, listen here. (laughs) These dogs are going away. I have absolutely had it. Like I totally just went off. I come up for air, take a breather. Matt looks at me and he's like, I made a mistake. I had forgotten that Augie had not pooped after dinner. And then my 13-year-old son, he had asked him to take Augie out a little bit later, but forgot to tell him to wait for Augie to poop. So Augie had peed. My son brought him back in. And so he had not pooped. Because Sunny pooping in the house was like, it happens. But Augie, it's like he knows better. He does better than that. And so all of a sudden, I'm like, well, wait, shoot. Now my story isn't my story anymore. (laughs) I have to reevaluate everything. So he tells me this and I think, well, okay, but this is just still so hard. And then he goes, well, listen, if we get rid of these dogs, then we are done with dogs. Then we are not going to get another dog. We're not getting other puppies. Like then we're done. Like this is it. And I was just like, well, crap. And then I felt really sad because I really do want dogs that are great pets, family pets. I don't want to not have these dogs. I mean, I already had a plan to talk to the kids the next day about getting rid of them. And here's the thing. My kids really love these dogs. So I knew it was going to be hard, but it was the right thing to do. So I took a breather and I sat down and... This is what was so fascinating, right? I, I could not really get to a new thought. I was so consumed with these frustration creating thoughts that I couldn't really get to a new thought. And I thought, well, okay, I'll just sleep on it. Matt's like, don't make any decisions when you're in this frame of mind. Okay, you're totally right. But you guys know I'm not on Facebook personally anymore, but I do have an account. And a while back, I had asked for membership to a Facebook group about Westies, just thinking like it might come in handy every now and then it's just helpful to have that kind of opportunity to talk to other people who have the same breed of dog really understand the idiosyncrasies. And I thought, you know, what I should do is I should post in there for a little support and just let them know 
that this is what's going on. If anything, if I do rehome them, I might find somebody super amazing who loves Westies, who would be more than happy to have these dogs. So I posted something about our struggle and how much I'd been just so frustrated that I wanted to rehome them, that our other dog hadn't struggled like this, that they're six months old. They shouldn't just be going to the bathroom all over the house. And this is what is so fascinating, right? What new, they offered me new thoughts that allowed me to change my emotion of frustration. They offered me thoughts like, oh, our, whatever the dog's name is, took till seven months and then it clicked. Sometimes they can be hard. Ours took till eight months and then it clicked. Ours took almost a year, but it was so worth it. Just hang in there because, you know, long-term, they're going to be the best. They're just the best dogs. And I really do think they're the best dogs. Sorry. I know everybody has their favorite breed, but I just really adore the personality of these dogs. They're so great. And my heart started softening. And when I thought about never, ever having the opportunity to have a dog again, I kind of wanted to cry. I was like, I don't want that. That's not what I want. And so I was able to soften my heart and I was able to think, okay, well, we'll give it longer. Maybe this is all normal. They did struggle, especially in the beginning to even understand the concept of going potty outside and not in the house, like at all to hold it in the house. We are making progress. My brain was able to start seeing a different story. Things really are getting better. Maybe it's just a bad day. I wasn't paying attention. You know, I was able to change that and soften my emotions so that I could find more patience for them. And of course, as you could imagine, the next day we had a great day. They did awesome. I, of course, was a little bit more regular because so much of training dogs is training ourselves. And they're still here. But here's what's so interesting. So I was out of town recently and I talked to my husband. I was talking to him on the phone and he was like, oh my God, I'm just trying to make lunches. And then I don't remember who one of them pooped. And so I was trying to clean that up, but I just brought the other one down and then the other one peed on the bed because I hadn't taken the other one out. He was like, oh my God, like he was, my husband is so even keel in emotion. Like I was seriously like, oh my gosh, he is at his wit's end. I'm not sure I've ever heard him this frustrated ever in my life. It's like these dogs, they really put you through something, tell you. But anyway, so we just have not been having the easiest time with them. And frustration has been a huge part of it in managing frustration. So, you know, I am very, very human, just like you. Maybe you don't have puppies that you're trying to train, but I'm pretty sure that you can think of something else where you're just furious because of that frustration. So I thought it'd be interesting to just look up what the definition of frustration is because we talk about it so much and we feel it really often, I think a lot of us do, but I was kind of like, how do you describe that? So the definition is the feeling of being upset or annoyed, especially because of the inability to change or achieve something. And I thought, ooh, that is such a good description of it. That's exactly what it is. And I'd already planned on what I was going to teach you and tell you about on this podcast, but this just completely confirms it. And so when you think about it, I was thinking, who are all the people we get frustrated with? Or who are all the, you know, scenarios and stuff? And the list was super long, like dogs, our kids. I mean, it could be cats too, any pet you have, your kids. And we get frustrated when they're babies, when they're toddlers, when they're school age, when they're in high school, when they're in college, when they're adults on their own, our spouses, our mothers or fathers, our mothers-in-law, our fathers-in-law, our sisters and brothers, our sisters-in-law and brothers-in-law, our friends, our neighbors, 
our medical assistants or nurses or physician assistants or NPs or other ancillary staff, the partners that we work with, the medical staff that's in charge of us or whoever our boss is, the HR manager who's in charge of hiring all the ancillary staff, all the support staff. So maybe you don't have control over them. You want someone to be fired and they won't do it and you're frustrated the huck on the unit. Now we call it a huck. I don't know if that's a term that's used everywhere. I think it's called, I think that stands for health unit coordinator. So it's the person who sits at the desk on the units, which I always find so interesting, right? Because health unit coordinator, but you're not healthy if you're admitted to the hospital. Interesting, right? I'm like, that's an interesting term. Anyway, that's an aside. The students that we work with, our residents, our fellows, we might get frustrated with, the people in line with us, people in a movie theater, people driving around us, definitely our patients sometimes, definitely the parents or family members of our patients. Sometimes we get frustrated with the weather. We get frustrated with stuff we own. We get frustrated with technology. We get frustrated with our EMR, our cars. We get frustrated with politicians, people in charge, just the world, life itself, the universe. I mean, you name it, everything is open to being the target of our frustration, pretty much (laughs) the way that we live our lives. And the thing you have to remember is that our frustration is stemming for sure from our thoughts, right? Definitely from our thoughts, because our thoughts are creating all of our emotions and frustration is an emotion. And so we have thoughts that things should be different than they are. And that is the core of our frustration. Because think of any time you've been frustrated it always stems back to something should be different. My dogs should be different. They should be potty trained. The little girl shouldn't bark so much. They should be happy in their crates and just rest and be quiet and not attack each other all the time, right? Like, <laughs> and the same thing with our kids, right? They should be different. They should be a certain way. For sure with our spouses, our other family members, like we just go around with this idea of like, listen, if you would just behave and do all the things that I think you should do, act the way I think you should act, like life would be great. So why aren't you different? And then we get frustrated when they're not different. Super interesting, right? So this is with everybody that we interact with. And then even like inanimate objects like our phones or our computers or things like that, like they should be different than they are. So that is resistance, what we are doing is we are resisting the way things are. We, we are resisting reality. And a great Byron Katie quote is, when you argue with reality, you lose, but only 100% of the time. That's so great, right? Because we're just like continuing to argue and argue and argue, thinking that somehow, someday, maybe we're going to win, but you never are going to win. So where people always get stuck with this, though, is in thinking that if you aren't frustrated or you think that it should be the way it is, then you're agreeing with or condoning somebody's behavior. This is often the case with family members or people that we interact with that are closer to us or not necessarily. There's a certain politician that a lot of people think that if they don't resist the way he acts and the way he does things, then they're condoning it. And they're like, no, 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 I don't agree with that. I don't condone it. And it's not that at all. It's just accepting that that is the way the person lives their life. This is the way that they show up. These are the words they say. These are the actions they take. And that really isn't anything you can control. 
So you might say, I'm never going to do that. I'm never going to show up that way. I will never be like that. But that doesn't mean that I have to resist the way they are because the resistance creates so much more negative emotion for us. Like we feel so entitled to it. Like I should really be resisting all of this because it's the resistance. It's so important. But is it really changing anything? What it creates is more negative emotion for you and for other people, potentially, if you're involving other people in your story and getting them riled up too. So this is something that I work with my clients on all the time. It's something that we can tend to get a little bit on an intellectual level first, but actually applying it and understanding it truly deeply in our core is harder. And as you can see, I'm still working on it too. Like I felt so entitled to my story that we have to rehome these dogs that I didn't really realize in that moment that I was just resisting how they are. And actually, even when I did realize that, I was like, well, but I don't have to do this. It's different than with kids. (laughs) I really don't have to have these dogs, but I do want to have these dogs. They're so cute. Very sweet. But anyway, (laughs) so how do you stop resisting? And I often tell my clients that when you're resisting, it's like your fist is clenched and all you have to do is open your hand. Like it's literally as simple as that. You're gripping what the way you think things should be. And you're just letting go of that. You're just recognizing like, oh, the dogs are still have are supposed to be having trouble with body training because they are like nothing's going wrong. That doesn't mean I have to accept it. I guess my dogs are just going to poop in my house the rest of their lives. Like, right. And I'm not going to do that. I'm going to make some changes, but it's not frustration that drives the action of coming up with a new plan that helps them to be more potty trained. What the frustration does is it makes me a crazy person in my head who wants to just change the circumstance and get rid of them. Right. That's what I was wanting to do. I was like, I would like to feel better. So I would like to change the circumstance so that I can have new thoughts. But I knew with myself, I knew if I got rid, if I really went through with it and got rid of the dogs, I would just be so sad. And I would always be wondering, what if we just given them a little bit longer? They might be amazing dogs. They're probably someone's best pet right now or something like that. So I want you to think about where you get frustrated, who you typically are frustrated with, and what your thoughts are about them. So you're upset and annoyed, you're frustrated, but what is it that you are unable to change or unable to achieve? In my case, I've been unable to achieve a full day of work in one stretch, (laughs) right? That thought that that's a problem has created frustration for me or thinking my belief that they would be different by now, that, that I would be able to just have them hanging out with me in my office with them snoozing beside me and everything would be hunky dory. Well, that's not how it is. But I still have a belief, hope that it's going to be like that in the future. I'm going to do what it takes to make sure that that happens. So wherever you're frustrated, what is the thought that's creating that? And look at what your actions are. Like when you're mad or frustrated with people at work, you're generally not thinking of a good, positive, constructive way to talk to them. Instead, you're having a tantrum in your head and possibly eating to feel better or gossiping, talking behind their back, complaining to people who aren't able to change anything. And that doesn't change anything for you, right? It doesn't change. Your result is that your experience is still the same. And that's why we continually feel so frustrated because we keep thinking thoughts that frustrate us, that create frustration for us. 
So other thoughts are available to you if you want to think them that create different emotions. And so sometimes we can't get to a place where we love the scenario, right? I don't really want to get to a place where I'm like, I don't care at all that my dogs are pooping in my house. No, I would like to care that they are pooping in my house so that I can take steps to change that. But frustration isn't going to be the emotion that drives the action of me fixing the problem. And what I have found is that when I get my brain into a place of focus and patience and love for them is when my brain can come up with some solutions to try, different things to try. And from that place, we can work on actually creating a different result for them and for us. So that's how we change it. But I'm telling you, I really can't wait to tell you on this podcast at some time in the future, how great the dogs are and how they're just so sweet and just hang out and everything's great. Might take 10 years until they're elderly. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) But at this point, we're hanging in there and we're going to do what's required so that Augie doesn't run away and all of the things that are required to be a good dog owner. All right. On that note, I will leave you with your thoughts of frustration. No, I just want you to think about what your thoughts are that really are creating all that frustration, how you can change them. Choose to think a different way that's not so steeped in resistance and arguing with reality. It's going to change everything for you, I promise. All right. Have a wonderful, wonderful week, and I will talk to you very soon. Take care. Bye-bye. Did you know that you can find a lot more help from me on my website? Go to katrinaubelmd.com and click on free resources. 